If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Welcome back to Pod TST. I'm Kenneth Arthur. This is a weekly LA Rams podcast, and the 2021 NFL Draft is this Thursday, April 29th. The LA Rams, as usual, will not be participating in the first round of the draft, and that won't happen again until maybe 2024 at the soonest. However, I think that this is the type of year where not having a first round pick might not be so scary. What really is scary is using these first round picks, these early first round picks, perhaps on prospects who either didn't play last year or they don't have clear medical reports or they have red flags and concerns that teams are struggling to get checked out. That means that there will be some I think high-end prospects who fall to day two and day three, that's the good news. The bad news is there's about one-third the usual draft pool of players this year than a typical year. And while it may seem like 657 is a lot of players to be able to choose from, given that teams typically draft you know, 250 players, maybe they add another 150 after the draft, maybe 300 after the draft, but that's out of a pool of almost 2,000 players. They whittle down 2,000 players to 600. This year, it's 650 or so players whittled down to about 650 players. You know, the NFL limited teams to only five tryouts this year, but it doesn't really matter because when you do the math, you realize on average, a team can only have about two tryouts if it goes by an average per team, because there's just not enough players to go around. We know that teams, their undrafted free agent boards uh, have been gone down by 20 to 30% this year from what they're usually at. And by the time teams look at the undrafted free agent pool, they could be looking at just a large group of players that they told themselves they didn't really want. And that's where you're going to get a lot of duds on day two and day three. This is where players are, I think, getting overrated as the draft gets closer and closer. Guys that are going to go in the first round, the second round, the third round that didn't have anywhere near those grades long ago. And while we do know that every year there are draft risers and, and those risers can go on to have very good, excellent careers sometimes. Uh, we, I think, you know, in some degree, I think Aaron Donald qualifies uh, back in 2014 as a, as a draft riser and going earlier than some people thought that he should go. So you never know when these guys will actually turn out to be up to the hype, exceeding the hype, of course. And on the other hand, it just seems like mathematically speaking, rationally speaking, logistically speaking, there are going to be a lot of players drafted relative to another year where they don't make the team, where they don't look like they should be on the team. You know, there's going to be a little bit lower quality of practice squad. There's going to be a lower quality of training comp camp, training camp competition because of this. So there's, there's a, a really wide reaching impact based on the lower draft pool. I think that is not being talked about here. Again, it's it's not that the NFL doesn't have enough players. It's that they're now whittling it down. It's basically there is no whittling. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're whittling, uh, if you're not whittling, you're diddling. And nobody wants to do that. You know, no one wants to be diddling their thumbs looking for the next uh player to, to put out, out there on the field at, in the sixth and seventh round. So the Rams are, are really looking on this day two for the best prospects that they can get. Right now, the Rams have picks 57 in the second round and picks 88 and 103 in round two. It's turned out to be a really big deal that the Rams traded their third round 
compensatory pick. I love that word, and I, I try to say it right, correctly, and I try to enunciate it properly, compensatory pick. But the Rams, it's looking really good that the Rams traded their compensatory pick to the Detroit Lions for Matthew Stafford rather than their original third-round pick at 88 overall. You know, that's a difference of uh, almost – over 20 picks, over 20, uh, over, uh, 20 picks or about 20 picks there to not do that trade. And as we've been talking about every draft, every piece of draft, every little thing here, the edge, any edge you can get, it's going to be important because I think it'll be difficult to trade up or down because teams don't have as much ammunition to say, Oh, look, we'll, we'll give you a fifth and a sixth. If you let us move up, and other teams are going, by the time I get to the fifth round, I don't even want these guys. I don't want to give them contracts as opposed to an undrafted free agent contract, maybe. So it's really going to be curious to see how that happens. And I think the L.A. Rams are going to really have to focus on as as much as ever, I guess. You know, it's not like Les need is ever relaxing during the NFL draft. But as much as ever, you just think this is the time to, to hit on these three day two picks or to consolidate them uh, into two day two picks, you know, whatever it is to sort of maximize the value here. Maybe it's safe, safer picks. You know, it was like in the beginning of the pandemic when people were investing all their money, when it, you know, as soon as you start to get nervous about the money, then all of a sudden you start figuring out how can I blow it before it's gone? Or at least let me try and make something off of it. So everyone was looking for the stock market and investments early on in the pandemic. And they said, go with the safe ones, go with Netflix, Go with Hulu. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if that Hulu is a stock, but you know, don't bet on necessarily crypto. You know, and then all of a sudden, someone goes like, "Oh, well, what about Dogecoin?" I am. I was living on the corner last week, and now I own a condominium because I had thirteen dollars worth of Dogecoin in January. So it's it's something where people are saying, well, I'm going to just hit the next Dogecoin. You know, this is where on the day three of the draft, people are going to say like, oh, there's a bunch of these really lucrative cryptos out there. And that's what they're trying to sell you on. But in reality, you know, maybe you just want to make a bet on. Now, listen, I don't do the stock market, so I'm going to say things like Target. But I don't think you bet on I don't think you buy stock. Target stock. Apple, right? Okay, so you put your money into Apple. So maybe in the draft this year on day two, the LA Rams are going to want to put their stock at Netflix and Apple. Whatever that means to you, it could be a four-year starter in college who doesn't have a very high ceiling and does have a pretty solid floor. That is sort of goes in line with a center. You know, someone that would feel like if there are not going to be any centers on day one, and if there are going to be, a, a you know, not a big run on centers in the beginning of the second round, then maybe the LA Rams will have a chance to get one of their top three rated centers in this entire draft. A guy like Creed Humphrey, you know, a guy like Landon Dickerson, maybe, although, you know, with Landon Dickerson, he might fall outside of day two, just based on the fact that teams are scared off by medical reports and teams and players with medical histories this year. I would imagine that given Landon, Landon Dickerson's case, that, him and his agent have worked very hard to try to prove to teams that he is healthy, but maybe you just cannot do that at this point. And maybe uh, there are going to be teams that are scared off by those kinds of medical histories, the very extensive ones, you know, the very extensive red flags and a player like Landon Dickerson falls into the fourth round and people go, I cannot believe this, but you know, I seem to remember Tyler Beattis uh, a few years ago being rated as a second round pick and going to the Cowboys, I think uh, in round four. So I think that there is perfectly, it's perfectly reasonable to assume that the Rams could have their choice of any center in this draft. Maybe it's Quinn Miners who has his own set of concerns, and it's not necessarily anything having to do with his 
injuries or which I don't know that he has any or any red flags because he seems to have one of the highest, you know, characters in the draft class in terms of like the type of guy that people want to be around who they want to have in the locker room. So that's all great. And yet at the same time, he's still a division two player. I don't know if that's the uh, politically correct way to say it. If you're supposed to say FBS or uh, something else, but it's, it's to me that cannot be totally dismissed this isn't very common to see players below the FCS level, which I think I'm. I think that's the FCS level. It could be the FBS level. This was one of the worst namings of anything that anyone has ever done to try Division One and Division Two. It's that there. You're done. Stop coming up with new th- names for it. But. This can't be discounted. This can't be thrown away because it's very rare to see players from schools like Wisconsin Whitewater or Whitewater, Wisconsin to go in the first two or three rounds. So there's a reason for that. So, you know, that's again where I think that the value of players in this draft is all over the place. It's very hard to judge, very hard to understand. And we're going to find out this Friday, Saturday, uh, and Thursday, which that's the order of days like I say them and we're going to find out how teams really did value players and their red flags and their, their, their character and their strengths and their weaknesses and whether or not it's the Netflixes and the apples that get bought early in the first couple of rounds, the very, the players that have tape in 2020, which means that if you opted out, you might be getting downgraded. And we know that the Steelers and the Raiders are among the teams that have said we are downgrading players who did not have 2020 seasons. And so there's that. And then maybe that pushes up like a lot of upperclassmen, people at the senior bowl, which we know the Rams love players who stood out at the senior bowl. So I would look out for maybe some of the safer bets to go early. They, that could be what pushes Trey Lance. For example, if we're talking about the first round, maybe, maybe Trey Lance does fall out of the top 20, because he didn't play last year and because he's coming out of North Dakota State. So I think that that is uh, just a very uh, top of the first round example that will make a lot of sense to people. Although I know that at this stage of the draft, which is pre-draft, people could not comprehend a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields going outside of the top 20. And when you try and bring up past years, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Brady Quinn or Johnny Manziel or all the other surprises that happened over and over and over and over again. And then they say, well, this year is different. Well, you know, that's what they said about the other years before it happened. That's why it's surprising. And that's why you like the draft. Do you want the surprises? Don't you? So watch out, look out for the surprises. They're coming. And it could be that maybe safer bets or perceived safer bets go earlier. And it could be that less need uh, wants to play it as safe as possible. It could also be that you're sitting there on the board at 57, 88 and one Oh three. You're looking at a player. You're saying you're scratching your head going, why do I have a top 15 grade on this player? And he's still available and he doesn't play a position of need. And you might lose out on a center because your next pick is not until 31 spots later, almost a full team roster, you know, almost a full league. So it's very hard to pass up on that you know that when you're at 88 you might not be able to trade up because teams are going to be asking for future first round or not future first round picks but uh future picks 2022 picks the rams don't have a first and a fourth even though they do have 10 total draft picks in 2022 there is still things that they don't have so you know robbing from uh his future to pay his present you know less need likes to do it as much as he can and he might do it again this year but That's where a lot of these really difficult decisions will come down to is do you want the Rams to take a big swing on a player that they had rated really highly, but maybe he opted out last year. Maybe he had an injury. Maybe he has character concerns and they weren't able to meet with his coaches and his high school friends and all the things that they typically would have done to, you know, really get to know a prospect as much as possible, they cannot do it this year. So 
that's where there's going to be a lot of those really difficult questions and potentially really big surprises. So uh, I wanted to go through the list of who some of those prospects could be. And even though some of these uh, positions are certainly far, far, far down the list of Rams needs. Well, when I get to that position, why don't I, you know, we all agree that I will uh, move past it very quickly and I'll try and dive a little bit deeper into some of the positions that we think that the Rams would focus on. And I will also say, and I will preface this by saying that I'm going off of, uh, in this particular podcast, uh, I'm going to be going off of the dome and maybe there will be further research to come later on. But uh, I wanted to preface that to say like, let's throw some names in there. I don't want to take up your entire, you know, 72 hours between now and the draft with me just trying to go over every single prospect in the draft. Let's throw some names out there. And then when the draft gets closer, we can start to see which of those names starts to bubble to the top for Rams fans. Let's begin where, you know, let's just go in standard order of positions. This is a, an unspoken standard order that started one day and has continued ever since beginning with quarterbacks. The Rams have Matthew Stafford and John Wolford. And we know that that's a pretty standard and fair one, two punch for LA next season. The real question being, you know, between John Wolford, Bryce Perkins, Devlin Hodges, the Rams don't need a backup. They don't need to draft a backup. And the only reason that the Rams would draft a quarterback at all would be that they just saw an unbelievable value. I don't think that this draft will offer the Rams an unbelievable value at quarterback. You just start to do the numbers. You start to do the math. And once you sort of eliminate what I think is a fantasy, which is that, you know, this is a very uh, deep quarterback class. And if there's five in the first round, you know, that means that if there's five in the first round, you should stop looking for a quarterback. That's about as much as any draft class can offer. And this is not necessarily a particularly strong draft class. So I think once you stop talking about the top three or four, even, but even, you know, we'll just say for the, for safe sake, let's just say the top five in the first round, just forget about the fact that the Rams are going to look at a quarterback, the eighth or ninth quarterback off this board and go, holy sh... Nah. You know, I don't know why I'm not going to swear on the podcast. You don't care. I don't care. But uh, I think the Rams, there's no way that I could see the Rams being at the eighth or ninth quarterback in this class and going, oh man, this guy, we cannot miss out on this guy. He's so much more interesting than Devlin Hodges. I mean, you're looking at the next Devlin Hodges or Bryce Perkins or John Wolford when you're looking at KJ Costello or Sam Ellinger or Felipe Franks or Ian Book. I think, and by the way, I would like to thank Thor Nystrom. He's got a very long list of QB prospects and comps that I'll be referencing here. So I'll put that link in the pod TST article on turf show times. So you can check out all of Thor's prospects and their comps. Uh, so, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about any of these guys, they don't give the Rams any extra value than the backups that they already have on the roster. I would put it, you know, and I know that some people disagree with this. I would put it at a almost a 0% chance that the Rams are going to draft a quarterback that would be a waste. And in this particular draft, I just cannot imagine, unless you really were like, no, for real, Felipe Franks is, it's stupid that the league is, is missing out on this. But that's so highly unlikely that 31 teams, other than the team that drafts Felipe Franks, is going to be going no, and that this one team saw some, I mean, I do get that Tom Brady exists, but you cannot just have every exception out there. And I do also think that the best quarterback in this class and most every class is not the high, most highly rated quarterback in that particular class. But you have to have some sense of, you know, just sort of playing the odds and the odds say that there is a very low probability that QB seven in this draft is going to be more valuable to whatever team that drafts him than, you know, CB 14 or 
WR 13 or running back 10. You know, those are players that are most likely going to provide a lot more value to the team that drafts them than a probable, not even just backup quarterback, but third string quarterback, practice squad quarterback. What we're talking about for the Rams on day three, and there's just really no chance of them taking a quarterback on day two. I cannot imagine that Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond or Jamie Newman is is moving the needle right after they have traded three first-round picks, uh, excuse me, two first-round picks, uh, and Jared Goff, who's a first-round pick in the hearts of millions, for a quarterback. So not going to happen, and if it does, you would think... You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You would think that Les Need thinks maybe he can trade that player in a year and get something. But again, the Rams have 10 picks the next year. Moving on to the running back position. And again, this position is one that people will say is not a position of need. And I think people would be uh, totally fair in that assessment. Uh, But I also think that the... Running back position is one that Les Snead has drafted so many times that you would have to imagine that the L.A. Rams are considering running backs. They have spoken to running backs in the pre-draft process, and there are so many running backs to choose from that you just never know when a running back. That is one position where maybe the 10th running back in a class or 11th running back in a class does start to make somebody think, well, I think there's a use for this guy in on game day next season, maybe it's on special teams. Maybe it's a third string back. Maybe it's a goal line back, but you got to think that there are running backs in this class that could go on day three, that could contribute next year. Uh, and on day two, I don't think that that is a very high possibility for the Rams, given that there are all the other positions and, and the players in this class and, and LA's need to, you know, have a couple hits uh, on day two, I think. And, in certain areas, I do believe that running back would have to be really low on their priority list unless it was just a ridiculous value. And that would probably have to be a value at, you know, 103, perhaps more so than 57 and 88. When I'm looking at the running backs on day two, uh, you know, for, 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 for the Rams sake, there's just not many choices that I even really want to highlight uh, because I just don't think that it is that possible. I'm a big fan of Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma. Here, his comp is Eddie Lacy. Obviously, Eddie Lacy at this point has a very uh, a big outsized reputation uh, for what he was in the beginning of his career, which was a very powerful, effective, uh, broken tackles running back. This is not someone, again, that I think the Rams should use a draft pick on because I think that they've already taken that shot there with with Cam Akers. They have a very capable number two in Daryl Henderson. So, you know, Ramon J. Stevenson is just a player who I personally think uh, is very fun to watch and a good player and a strong player and and a unique player. And I think that a lot of defenses will not have good run stoppers in those places where they used to have good run stoppers because there's been such a heavy emphasis on players who can pass defend like in, you know, the four to five defense with a Rover, you're getting players who can certainly uh, often uh, are big and powerful and hit, but it's, I think it's becoming harder and harder to find guys that can actually play run defense, especially on the edges as there's such a, again, an emphasis on players who can pass rush over players who can play 
run defense. So I think I like big, powerful running backs like Ramondre Stevenson coming out of Oklahoma. On the other hand, I love Michael Carter out of UNC. I think he's a better prospect than his teammate, Javante Williams, who's being rated high, more highly, higher, <laughs> up there higher. And I, I'm just a big fan of Michael Carter. I think he has incredible vision and change. You know, he can just change his direction on a dime and, and he knows where to do that. And I think he creates lanes and he creates speed where maybe he doesn't have a lot of that, all of that natural speed that some other players have. I think he is quick on the field, though, and I think Michael Carter uh, would be a great pick for any team, although it would be, again, hard for the Rams to justify a player like that on day two. On day three, we know that they've talked to Javian Hawkins, and there's just a lot of different ways that they could go. With Malcolm Brown leaving in free agency, there certainly could be a need in the area for a Malcolm Brown-type player. Moving on to wide receiver, I would say that the Rams certainly can go in the direction of wide receiver. I've written about it numerous times on Turf Show Times, and the reason that I think that the Rams could and maybe even should go for a wide receiver is, A, you know, you just never know how many times uh, this opportunity is going to come around to have potentially elite, like, really good number one, number two type receivers available in the middle of day two of an NFL draft. It's happened consistently the last couple of years. We know that next year probably will have it. And maybe that's just the new normal is all of these really exciting wide receiver classes. But at the end of the day, I still think that if you look at the last few drafts, yes, there are very exciting players that that have come in the middle of day two and early on day two and sometimes in round one and go all the way from, you know, players like Justin Jefferson to players like C.D. Lamb to players like Terry McLaurin and D.K. Metcalf and players like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. And there's a very long list. There's also a very long list of busts. There's also a very long list of receivers who are still waiting to develop like Van Jefferson. I think that you cannot simply just trust the process. And I definitely don't think that you can trust Deshaun Jackson to play a very high number of snaps next season. And so I think when you look at the Rams who have two of the oldest starting wide receivers in the NFL and Robert Woods and Cooper cup, and now the oldest wide receiver in the history of the world. And they also don't know if Van Jefferson is going to break out who is 25 years old, by the way, or at least will be turning 25 this year. I see that the Rams absolutely can't just totally bypass the possibility of taking a receiver when you know that at 57 and potentially at 88, there are going to be really good prospects on the board. And you also know that when you get to day three, they're not. They're just not. Like, yes, there will be players on day three who run super fast, who run routes really well, who have good hands and who have good characters and no, and, and no injury history and uh, were productive in college and played it, but you don't find very many that can do four or five of those things. They can do one or two of those things. And then you're hoping that they can do two or three more other of those things. But the guys who really seem like they can just do a bunch of those things are going to go early in this draft and will run out faster than you think, even though everybody has their own favorite day three receiver or two. You know, there are those guys and there will be sleepers in this draft. But for the Rams, what it looks like, and it could look like a lot of different things right now, is that there will be Four receivers right now that seem to be locks for the first round, maybe five. You're talking about Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Elijah Moore, who rumors had it on Monday. It was really locked into the fourth, number four spot in this wide receiver class. Rashad Bateman, who I have as my number two, and I think he's really good. And then you've got Rondale Moore and Terrace Marshall and Tylen Wallace and Kadarius Toney all of whom I've seen mocked in the first round by various people. Then you go out down there, you got Dwayne Eskridge. You've got Anthony Schwartz, who ran a 4-2 something. You've got Deami Brown, who Chris Sims has his uh, top three wide out in this class. You've got other people who all are constantly being called underrated, like Josh Palmer, Amari Rogers, Simi Fahoko. 
You've got Marquez Stevenson, Demetric Felton, and, and the Rams have met with him. But there's a ton of interesting names in this class. For the Rams, though, it really just comes down to what if Kadarius Tony is on the board? What if Nico Collins is on the board and in the third round? And, and it's just the Rams saying, well, here's a guy who's 6'4", 215, is fast, and Josh Reynolds is on the Titans. You know, Deshaun Jackson isn't bringing height or or size to the to the receiver core. Maybe nobody has to. That's fine. But what if what if Nico Collins is there? What if Terrace Marshall is there? What if it's speed? You know, the Rams would also like to add speed. You would think to the receivers. What if Dwayne Eskridge is there? What if Anthony Schwartz is there at 103? And you know again that the Rams may not have opportunities. Uh, or many opportunities there to do it again on day three. And it could be a really weak day three class, as you know, as we've talked about, right? So I think that is something that I would keep in mind 100% uh, for the wide receivers, which is, yes, there's going to be guys, Seth Williams, Jalen Darden, Shai Smith, guys that you've heard about that you like. I mean, hey, I'm, I can't wait. Racy McMath. I mean, this guy is so far down uh, Thor's rankings. Racy McMath is wide receiver 51. Dex Milne, wide receiver 48, the partner of uh, the, the hookup uh, wide receiver uh, pass catching passes from uh, I've seen football before. Zach Wilson at BYU. You got Jacob Harris, one of the most athletic players uh, in any draft out of UCF and the Rams could definitely have interest in him except he's so incredibly thin and lanky and Austin Trammell. I can't wait to use a third round pick on the guy. I think it's super underrated out of rice. Uh, yet there are just players who have extremely, you know, I see a guy here named Connor Weddington who compares to Tristan Jackson in a lot of ways. And the Rams kept Tristan Jackson on the roster all of last year. So Look out for, I think a wide receiver would be best on day two. And I think, you know, it could be anywhere in that. Maybe they, maybe the 88 to 103 is the, the best place for the Rams to take their highest rated receiver, either for, you know, maybe for speed, maybe for blocking, maybe for, you know, special teams abilities, because I th- it's going to maybe be a safer pick. Tight ends, uh, very confusing class. Because you keep, you know, you hear that it's a very weak class and, and you would think that it, because there's only one that looks to be going in the first round, uh, which would be Kyle Pitts, of course, and Kyle Pitts is not even a tight end. So when you're looking at the real tight end class and you're looking at Pat Fryermuth and Tommy Tremble at the top of it, presumably, you're, you're looking at guys who could be going 50th or 60th. You're looking at guys who could be in the range of the Rams. Again, the Rams could be there to take the top center. The Rams could have the opportunity to take the top tight end in the draft if you don't consider Kyle Pitts a tight end. So when you're looking at Friermuth, when you're looking at Tommy Tremble, and then there's other guys who I think are really interesting, like Matt Bushman out of BYU and Trey McKitty uh, out of Notre Dame. And I think that... These are going to be guys that give you that example of why it is such a confusing draft class. Trey McKitty, not out of Notre Dame, out of Florida State. I, I thought it was Florida State. Edit, edit, edit. Uh, but I think that what I really like about the tight end class or what really confuses me is, and I always like things that confuse me, is that you got guys that are all prototypical size, pretty athletic, make one-handed catches, have a good senior bowl, this, that, and the other thing, uh, which I believe Trey McKitty was one guy that had a, an outstanding senior bowl and therefore would be right at the top of the list for less need. Then you're looking at guys that say, like, well, why then is this player only a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick or a sixth-round pick in a crappy draft class? And that's where I got to say that that's where the confusion comes in for me. I think tight ends might go higher in this draft. I think Fryermuth is a borderline first round pick. Uh, here I see that Thor has him comped to Tyler Eifert, which to me, if Tyler Eifert was in this draft, he would obviously be a top 15 pick. Obviously, the health would have to be there, but you know, Pat Fryermuth or Tommy Tremble. Would, seeming, would seemingly fit the roles of 
fringe first round pick some years, but that hasn't been the case in all the mock drafts. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think that for the Rams having Tyler Higby and Bryson Hopkins and Johnny Munt, they, they know that they've got a capable one, two, three for next season, but uh, you don't really know anything about Bryson Hopkins. You did, you should have probably assumed, and it's fair to assume, you know, that Bryson Hopkins could have sat all of last year as planned and come out next year and be every bit as good or better than Gerald Everett. And then everything is fine. Or maybe Bryson Hopkins, we have no idea, didn't show uh, a ton in practice, and that's why he didn't get on the field. And so the Rams now basically have Johnny Munt as their number two tight end and Tyler Higby as their number one. And Tyler Higby is going to be one of the higher paid tight ends next year and the year after that, and, and does have savings if the Rams want to make and move there. So don't completely rule out tight end on day two because you're still talking about maybe grabbing the number one traditional tight end on the board at 57 uh, if Pat Fryermuth or Tommy Tremble uh, last that long, and then you've got time, you know, guys like Brevin Jordan, or uh, again, I, I, you know, Trey McKitty is a guy who could be targeted maybe the third or fourth or fifth round, or even later for all I know. But uh, I do think that the Rams should and could be a threat for a tight end, but I wouldn't put it super high in the list. The most intriguing part is just the fact that I think there are really good tight end prospects at 57 and maybe even at 88 and 103. So I would look out for those guys looking at offensive tackles. And we know that offensive tackle has to be a consideration for the Rams because you know, we've got Andrew Whitworth at 39 years old, turning 40 in December Rob Havenstein has uh, been a, a very solid right tackle. I think does come with cap savings if there were to be a change in the future there. And it just wouldn't hurt the Rams to have more depth at the position. There's nothing really to go off of with Bobby Evans after two years in the league. Joseph Noteboom, you know, didn't necessarily have the type of season that would suggest that the Rams are ready to extend him and make him the left tackle of the future. Very, very nice option to have as your depth piece as the number six offensive lineman. Of course, I think no boom has done a really nice job of that, but this class could offer tackles in the second round that have first round traits that have first round futures. Again, it's very confusing because some of these players look really good and they're getting graded as third or fourth round picks in a class that seems really weak. And it would just have you believe that either there's a wide gap between the NFL's perception of these players and the media's perception of these players. Uh, I think that could be the case more so with offensive linemen, maybe than other positions, because so much of it could be dependent on the little things, the things that are learned at pro days, that practicing with the players, talking to the players, trying to coach the players, trying to figure out how coachable the players are college in the NFL is such a big difference with the types of offenses that they run and the types of assignments that they give to offensive linemen that it is so difficult in so many cases to say, well, this guard at Texas tech would make a great left guard or left tackle or center for the Buffalo bills. You know, there's so, it's so much guesswork. And yet in this case, you know, you would think, size and athleticism and versatility would have given some of these players higher draft grades in the mock drafts leading into, you know, Thursday and Friday, but that hasn't really been the case outside of Penny Sewell and Rayshon Slater in the tackle group. Everyone else has, I've seen gotten second round grades, you know, even Christian Derisaw, who is, considered by most a lock for the first round. I've seen him often called overrated in this draft. I've heard Penny Sewell call overrated, but only in the sense that maybe he's number two in this class. And I think that Christian Derrissaw, Tevin Jenkins, Dylan Radunes, Sam Cosme, Liam Eichenberg, Brady Christensen, 
Walker Little. These are all players that have first round traits, but are being told second, third, fourth round, uh, other than Derisaw. Now Tevin Jenkins may be moving up, but maybe not even as a tackle, you know? So it's a very difficult class to judge. There's also other players who will be going on day two that I didn't just mention there, maybe Jalen Mayfield or Stone Forsyth, uh, James Hudson, and so on. I've heard very good things just recently about Jalen Moore, uh, who his comp is Roger Saffold. So there you go. And I think that the Rams could like Jalen Moore. But I, I do see that with the tackle group, higher rate of probability than anything else we've talked about so far with the second round pick uh, has to be, for me, maybe one of the top three positions to target for the Rams when we're talking about the combination of players in this class, expectations of where they will go, uh, and Rams need because it may not be an immediate need, but some of these players could potentially start as soon as next season, whether that's as a guard or even as a tackle, uh, just depending on what the future brings. I would not rely on just to expect full seasons from all of the offensive linemen on, on the Rams, because we know that that is very rare. And while I think there is adequate depth, there's probably not enough. And I think the tackle absolutely can take precedence in this class. Moving on to interior offensive linemen. There are, again, some interesting names that would have first round traits and maybe aren't getting some of those typical first round grades right at the top. You know, I'm just going to throw this out there. Elijah Vera Tucker at USC, not going to the Rams I think he could be a top 12 pick, surprise top 12 pick in the first round. I think that he has an extremely high ceiling. I think his ceiling includes playing left tackle, you know, and I also think that if he doesn't play tackle, he can be, uh, you know, one of the best guards in the NFL, a Zach Martin type of guard. So whoever picks Elijah Vera Tucker, and I think there might be a battle for him to some degree because it's a drop off. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. If you're looking for interior offensive linemen, and that's where Vera Tucker is being positioned right now and where he'll probably play next year, there is no number two that comes anywhere near him. And some people have Vera Tucker above Slater and Sewell for the entire offensive line class. So I would watch out for Vera Tucker to be a very highly drafted offensive lineman. After that, Literally all the other players could fall to 57. That's that's the board that we've all been told so far. Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson, Quinn Miners, Wyatt Davis, all of those guys would presumably be available in the second round just as easily as a couple of them could be drafted in the first round. Creed Humphrey, you know, if a team is very confident in Landon Dickerson, then they just go, this is a starting center immediately. But there's just not that many teams that need a starting center. So I think that's why Dickerson and Humphrey will probably fall out of the first round. Quinn Miners might even go ahead of them. I just have a lot of faith in him, you know, as a guard, you know, in particular. But I just don't see that anybody really seems strong for the first round, except for Vera Tucker, who I think seems very strong. And those are players that could all be available to the Rams there from uh, two to five. Then you keep going and 
Trey Smith or Ben Cleveland or Josh Myers or Kendrick Green. You know, these are a few names that uh, you get thrown around in the day two, day three range. And I think that the Rams, who knows? You know, there are there are a lot of different reasons to make a case for one guy over another. It'll just depend on how the board falls, which is just so freaking unpredictable out, you know, and in general, people have been, you know, getting into civil wars over who the 49ers are going to pick at three. So how can anybody try to understand who the Rams are going to want at 57? It's just hard to say and impossible to say, but you would think that they've met with Quint Miners multiple times. Uh, So probably a guy that they are interested in, probably a guy that every team is interested in. That's what will make it more difficult for the Rams to get a player like that maybe than others. But at the same time, maybe he's, again, not as highly rated because of his um, inexperience against a lot of future pro talent, if any future pro talent uh, in his career. That's 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 one thing that uh, is an unknown. But uh, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, How about we talk about defensive line, interior defensive line with regards to the the Rams, which, you know, I mentioned one name last week, which was Milton Williams, who is worth mentioning because he's probably the first guy since and at, you know, maybe the only guy like Aaron Donald to be this frame of, you know, 285 pounds and just a superior athlete, extremely fast. Now, what makes Aaron Donald the greatest defensive tackle of his generation? I don't want to say all time because that would be disrespectful to people that even Aaron Donald looks up to, and I'm only you know talking about three or four guys. But that's where I'm, I, you know, that's where you'd say like, look, Aaron Donald does things that nobody else does. That's what makes him the best player on defense in the NFL, if not the best player in the NFL period. So when we're talking about Aaron Donald, just because I say that a player resembles Aaron Donald from a physical standpoint, that's not disrespectful. That's factual. Uh, And if anything, Milton Williams is a better athlete than Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald didn't play at Louisiana Tech. You know, that's the difference. Uh, Aaron Donald did his thing at Pittsburgh. It's not the sec Clemson, you know, versus Alabama or anything like that. But all that hype would be overrated. Anyway, you don't have to go to one of these uh, schools in the CFP every year to become uh, an all pro NFL player. But Milton Williams all for as productive as he was, was not super productive. was not that insane production. I didn't hardly see any insane production from this whole draft class, which again, it's very weak in that regard. And arguably the worst defensive tackle class of all time. And yet Milton Williams isn't even in the top two. So you can't really say that Milton Williams is that strong of a prospect even though he is one of the most unbelievable athletes at the defensive tackle position in history. There's another guy like that, Bobby Brown, who would be available later in the draft. Uh, but for for Milton Williams, Christian Barmore, Levi Anwuzukarika, I haven't said it as much as some other people, uh, Davion Nixon, Marvin Wilson, there's there's names here for the Rams to look into. Maybe a late target, Jalen Twyman, but there's there's certainly some names here for the Rams to look into. I think defensive tackle, it's not going to be a priority, of course, for the Rams. Uh, having committed some money to Ashawn Robinson, having had or do have the greatest player in the NFL there at the defensive line. Certainly defensive end uh, would be a possibility and possibility out of this group. So just because it's, it's called defensive end, you know, if we're talking about Morgan Fox or Michael Brockers, it could be a guy coming out of this group, Marvin Wilson. It could be Bobby Brown. It could be, you know, uh, Marion or Marlon. Uh, Tio Pulu to why, why don't I not say the names for a while and then we'll all agree that it never happened. Um, but that's where it could come from this group. But if, I mean, if we're talking technical defensive tackle, maybe it's not as big of a deal here. 
Let's keep it going uh, with a, a, a list of names that come at the edge positions. Again, this is where the Morgan Fox, the next Morgan Fox could come from the edge position. And the Rams have certainly been linked to some of these players in the mock draft process and could make sense for one reason or another. Uh, the edge position is, again, a very interesting one where you're saying, if Quiddy Pay and Jalen Phillips are the top that this group has to offer, is it really that strong of a group? Uh, but there could be like a lot of really good, like guys that maybe are going 25th could go 56th, you know? So you could see a guy and on the edge who looks as good as a guy going 30th, but he's going 60th and you go like, there's not a difference between these players. I think that'll happen. Uh, but it's, it's so not top heavy and it's so not deep that you'd think that the Rams could absolutely target an edge player here on day two. Hard to say again, who will be available? Joe Tryon has been called a late first round pick. His comp is Robert Quinn. Um, but he could be a late first round pick. He could be a late round three pick. I think he was an opt out last year. Uh, Joseph Osai from Texas was a guy I wrote about last week. Peyton Turner has been mentioned as a late first round pick. Ronnie Perkins has been late mentioned as a late first round pick. Uh, Cameron Sample is a guy who I think is a sleeper in this draft. Could be a could be a late third round pick, maybe. And that's that's up for anyone to guess at this point. But, uh, and we know Joshua Kando, who they met with in the pre-draft process, he'd be more like a seventh round pick, which is not a good sign for anybody at this point. But I do think that the Rams could look, uh, you know, Carlos Basham, if he's still available, there are possibilities here for the Rams at the end, Rashad Weaver of round two. Uh, but I do think that that would probably take a lower priority unless somebody uh, really surprising to them showed up maybe at 57, 88 or 103 could, could be a better spot for that. Uh, especially because, you know, uh, a lot of people would hope for a linebacker, which is the next one to look at here. The Rams, a lot of people would like to see add a linebacker. Uh, the first round, again, has a, high, a couple of high-end talents. Maybe Micah Parsons has been called by some, a, you know, should be a top five type, type of pick, a Devin White uh, type of pick. But others say he'll fall out of the top 15. Uh, Zaven Collins, apparently very highly sought after by a lot of teams. His comp is Tremaine Edmonds. Jeremiah Owosu-Karamoa, who's been, his comp is Levante David. Uh, so you've got a, a few really highly rated guys there for the first round, and then a bunch of guys who have high traits, uh, but also really concerning red flags, like a Jamin Davis who only has one year of experience that is uh, on tape and worthy of review at Kentucky. Um, and at the same time, that tape is very good. So what do you do about that? And so you, for the Rams, Jabril Cox is a guy who's been mocked to them. Baron Browning has been mocked to them. Chaz Surratt. It's a long list, a uh, relatively long list of linebackers. And second round, it's a pretty good area for line, similar to centers or tight ends. I think you could be getting the best at that point of a class. I'm not talking about the Micah Parsons linebacker. I'm talking about you're going to get the best will linebacker. You know, you're going to get the Baron Browning or Nick Bolton or, you know, Jabril Cox. You could be getting the best of that very specific position, the one that the Rams would like to do, but they would like to add speed. A lot of people would say, yes, they would like to add speed. I don't know that you would do that uh, with Nick Bolton necessarily, but uh, Baron Browning is someone that they could have interest in. And has been again, mocked to the Rams and Baron Browning. Mark Baron was a Ram linebacker. Once this is a guy named Baron also. So, Pretty clear connection to be made there for me and for you. Moving on to the cornerbacks, uh, I see that there are going to be needs there as well because the Rams did not re-sign Troy Hill. We don't know if Terrell Burgess will be moving down from safety to cornerback. We don't know if David Long 
going into his third year, like Bobby Evans. We don't know if this is going to be the year that uh, David Long contributes or not. So that being said, uh, Darius Williams also is going to be a free agent in 2022. And most likely, I, I don't think would get re-signed by the Rams because they've already committed so much money to uh, Jalen Ramsey. I don't know that they want to continue to give out another big contract. And Darius Williams is going to be 30 or 31 next year. So not exactly a project there. They're going to need someone who is perhaps so cornerback. Uh, could be coming as the first pick for the Rams. Asante Samuel, they met with in the pre-draft process, but Asante Samuel, he could be a, a first-round pick, and I think he might be a first-round pick. Uh, Paulson Adebo, who was a, an opt-out last year out of Stanford, so there's a little bit less known of him. Tyson Campbell is a guy that I'm very high on, and apparently uh, as of Monday or Sunday, from what I hear, uh, NFL teams are too. So he could be going in the first round, even if not high second round. And that might be a difficult player for the Rams to, to grab at this point, but he not wouldn't necessarily fit in immediately. Uh, if he Melafano is another guy that I think, uh, I could be high on and later on, maybe a sleeper, Robert Rochelle, uh, is a cornerback who I think, um, could slide in Robert Rowe well. Trill Williams out of Syracuse, Benjamin St. Juice out of Minnesota. But all these guys, Thomas Graham out of Oregon, who the Rams have met with in the process, Kerry uh, Vincent Jr. out of LSU, another name that I know. So I, I, I think that the Rams certainly want to take a cornerback on day two. Uh, it makes it more and more difficult. You're talking about cornerback, linebacker, center edge tackle. I mean, I feel like there's at least five positions that could make sense for those three picks on day two. And that's where it becomes very difficult uh, to project what exactly the right decision is at this point or at any point, you know, especially, but uh, I, I would say that that is one of the big things that I'm running into here is as I look at the names, like, yes, that could work at the Rams. Yes, that could work. Yes, that could work. That's, that could work. Safety, of course, the Rams have a, a pretty deep safety group right now. Doesn't mean that they would go away from it. John Johnson takes a thousand snaps with them. Troy Hill takes a thousand snaps with him. That cannot be overlooked, even though the Rams, you know, they knew this was coming. They're they're not aware of shit that I'm, and there we go. I, I said a swear word. Uh, but they're not aware. It's not like they're unaware of things that I'm aware of. They're aware of everything that I'm aware of and a hundred thousand other things. So I give them credit for that. Uh, they know what they're doing to, to fill that role. But it, it's totally possible that if a safety was available to the Rams on day two, that they thought, dang it. Well, now this guy is too good. And we need to run more three safety sets out there. We need a stronger person to defend the slot against potentially DeAndre Hopkins, potentially Debo Samuel, potentially DK Metcalf even sometimes. The Seahawks aren't going to be shy about putting DK Metcalf in the slot. So it's not too crazy for the Rams to think, wow, well, if Richie Grant is there at 57, maybe Richie Grant or Jamar Johnson, who his comp is John Johnson, maybe there is a reason for the Rams to take a player who immediately helps in that area and plays the Rover or, you know, whatever it is, or maybe they wait uh, and it's down there at the end at pick 103. It's a D divine Diablo or Andre Cisco or James Wiggins, or it's a, you know, trade down and get some more picks and they're in round four and round five. That might be the best thing to do. If you're the Rams is to add more picks on rounds four and five and to try and load up on three or four of these positions, because I do see now that we've done this, it's a little bit of uh, overstimulation. You know, it's prospect fantasy overload where I can see a lot of great fits for the Rams at five or six different positions. And then when you start getting into the idea, if you even start entertaining best player available, you are really sacrificing a lot of the a lot of the things that make you go, well, damn, if the team had this, it would help. Uh, so it's hard to start looking at it and say, like, well, look, 
the Rams can't completely say that they're totally comfortable at center or tackle. Even though I know a lot of people want to be comfortable tackle, the Rams also prepare a year early. So center, tackle, linebacker, cornerback, and then edge, wide receiver. All I'm saying is that running a football team, it's got to be hard. <laughs> maybe harder than, you know, maybe we don't give it enough credit. Uh, so uh, that's that's my rundown. Every single position, things that the Rams, players that the Rams could consider, just names, really. I don't have a ton of information on each one at my disposal right at my disposal right now because I just wanted to get this done in under an hour, which uh, with ad breaks, I might not have done, but uh, that's it for this episode of Pod TST. The draft is Thursday. The Rams pick Friday. Come back for more during and after the draft.